0: Hello, I'm Heat. And I'm Rocket Kid. And, and this, this is Ordinary Chaos. A podcast about ordinary life. Because you don't have to be famous to be interesting. What's normal for me... Might be... Unusual for me. Let's do this! Heat here today with an artist again i have kristen wheeler with us today and she is an iconographer tell me about
1: that kristen For those that don't know what an iconographer is, that is someone who writes the saints. And I'll explain that why we call it writing and not painting. Um, But most people, religious or not religious, have seen iconography of the saints and holy figures like, you know, Jesus, the holy family, things like that. Or, you know, most people know St. Francis and uh, different saints. So that is what I do. I've done 36 saints now, and I have a website and everything, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Nice. How did you get into that? Kind of a long process. I've been an artist my whole life, and I've always had an interest in history, definitely an interest in the saints, but it didn't really come up until the beginning of the pandemic last year. I'm actually in the process of becoming a deacon in the Episcopal Church, so the saints and kind of that religious history is very close to me. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, well, what can I do to help people? Because that's just in my nature. Like, what can I do to help? You know, people are stuck at home right now. There's, you know, people are depressed, things like that. And I thought, let me start painting and I'm going to do it live on Facebook. And I did the first icon, which was the Jesus of the Sacred Heart. I did that all live on Facebook and it just kind of exploded from there. I spent four hours doing a live video, and then I had a bunch of messages afterwards saying, Oh, could you do this saint and this saint and this saint? And I started taking commissions, and it's been a year and a half, and I've done thirty six saints now. So, wow, yeah, it just kind of <laughs> it happens very suddenly, very um, very fast paced. And, and now I, that's what I do. I study the saints before I paint their images and all of them have been commissions except for that first one. And here I am now. So. (laughs) That's wild. It took off, but very organically. Very organically, which is very much like me. It's why I'm a painter. My husband's a graphic designer, which is very, everything's, you know, measured and precise, which is not me. <laughs> and I'm very organic and let things go as they may and uh that you know bleeds over into the rest of our life together. So like we're hanging something on the wall, he has to measure everything like three times before he hangs it. And me I'm like, "Oh, that looks good right there." <laughs> and so it kind of works for works for everything.
0: I don't want to tangent too far, but what did you do before pandemic?
1: Before pandemic. Well, before, during, and after kind of the same thing. I also am a communications director for an Episcopal church. So what that means is basically I do the bulletins and graphics and newsletters and things like that. Anything communications related that I put out. I do that for my own church. And I was also doing that for another church in New Orleans. But I'm also a retired photographer. So I did weddings and portraits and everything for about 17 years. And I decided my heart wasn't in it anymore. And before it showed in my work, I decided to retire from that. So I have not regretted it since. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I do a lot of travel photography now and again. Uh, You know, when I go on adventures and things like that, I'll take my good camera with me. But other than that, it's usually my my iPhone. And sure um, yeah, I'm trying to think like what else pre-pandemic? That seems like 10 years ago. It does. <laughs> it seems so <laughs> long ago. Uh, but I'm also a writer. I guess I should add that. I'm a creative writer. I used to work for a ghost tour company. So I used to study a lot about history and ghosts and things like that and write about them for ghosts in New Orleans. It was kind of interesting. And so that kind of love carried over into doing this iconography work because I also write about the saints that I have painted. So that I have like all their stories on my website and everything too. So I study them extensively and then I write about them as well.
0: It's such an interesting mix
1: of interests and skills. It is. It's kind of just all, it happened very organically, like we said, and it just all kind of meshed together into this thing that's a new business and a new ministry and everything now. So I'm just, I'm looking at my desk right now and I have 10 orders (laughs) of just all, (laughs) just like piles of all different saints stuff. (laughs) So it's interesting to me to see like two years ago, I never would have even imagined that. Right. now I have like all these orders sitting on my desk waiting to be shipped out. So (laughs) that's fantastic.
0: I love stories like that. It's like, you know, I didn't have a plan
1: and here I am. Exactly. And everybody's plans changed during the pandemic and I didn't know what we were going to do. And then all of a sudden this happened and here we are a year and a half later and it's still going strong. So nice.
0: You mentioned a few minutes ago that you don't paint the
1: saints, you write them, write them. Yes. So we call an icon, a writing, a writing of an icon or a writing of a saint. And what's interesting about that, because I didn't, I didn't know any of these terms, you know, two years ago, I've learned all of this along the way, because I always said painting, because I'm doing the act of painting, right? But when you study the stories of the saints, And you draw them, you know, on, I actually do mine on wood plaques and I paint right on there. So that whole thing that you're doing, this whole process is called writing because you're telling the story of that saint through imagery. Okay. So you're still telling a story. So that's why we call it writing because it is so much beyond just the act of painting. You're telling the story through images. And if you look at the history of iconography, you'll see that a lot of, let's say, Mary Magdalene, for instance, just using someone that we've all heard of, right? Um, You could look at a whole bunch of different icons and you'll know exactly who the ones of Mary Magdalene are because most of hers will have a red egg included in it. So there's all this symbolism and everything that is included to tell their stories so that you can recognize the saints. When you look at the image, it's not necessarily going to say, this is a painting of Mary Magdalene. (laughs) It's what's in the image that tells you their story and who it is. That's really
0: interesting. Yeah. I thought you'd, I thought you'd like
1: that. So, and it's kind of, I see music in a lot of the same way, you know, you're telling a story. You're not just singing music, And you're not just writing, you know, the act of writing music, but when you're, you're telling a story. Right. You know, same kind of thing, how I see it. Interesting.
0: So for each one, so they're commissioned. Would that make your process different than it would be if you were doing them
1: on your own? But that's a really good question. <laughs> so a lot of people ask me like how the process works. And I think that this is a good spot to kind of fill in on that because this is not like a regular, let's say a pet portrait commission where someone would give me a picture, tell me pretty much exactly what they want. And then I do that. This is a, this is a lot different in that I see it and many other people see it you know, people who do iconography, iconographers, that this is holy work. This is not just you doing a painting of a saint. You are writing a story that God is helping you with. The spirit is helping you with however you, you know, the God of your understanding sees it. And I can't Help that. Like, I could have sort of an idea of what I want the final icon to look like, but 10 times out of 10, it won't look like that. It, It just changes along the way. And because I study them, I'll use my latest one as reference. So, the one I'm finishing up today is Archangel Raphael. And a lot of people know of the Archangels Archangel Michael, Raphael, Gabriel. Those are the three most popular ones. So for instance, someone comes to me and says, I would like to commission Archangel Raphael. Basically, the only thing that they get to choose is the size of the actual icon. I do two different sizes. I do a five by seven and a nine by 12, and they all understand the process ahead of time. So basically I tell them, you know, I study this saint and it could take me anywhere from one to three weeks, sometimes more to study them. It depends on how much information I find. And some saints, I just feel like a call to just spend more time with them. It depends on all of that. And then I go from sketching. I'll just sketch all these kind of ideas. And now that I have a, a nicer iPad with Procreate on it, I can spend more time on my sketching instead of erasing, <laughs> erasing pencil <laughs> on the board, but, you know, telling their story through these different objects and these different images. Up until this point, I've never had an issue with it, but no one has come to me saying, oh, I want the icon to look like this. People know, they understand, and I share the information with them that this is how this process works, that I can't make any promises. You know, basically, you can tell me maybe what your favorite color is for doing the background, you know, so it goes in your house, but that is the most that I can promise because I just can't. It's such a a holy and organic way of doing things that I've never done before, but it's also very freeing because I don't have these parameters that are set by the people who commission me. So I can, I'm free to do whatever. And every single time, all 35 commissions, because like I said, the first one was mine, everybody's been surprised, but like in a good way, they'll say, this is not at all what I was expecting. And I will share progress images with them along the way. So when I have it sketched, I send it to them, you know, and as I'm painting and everything, I'll send that to them. So they get like this behind the scenes look because they know that in the end, I scan these images and, you know, I sell reprints and things like that. So they know that like I still own the copyright to it and everything. It's not such a personal piece of work that I can't sell it. Does that make sense? Yes. So which is what a lot of commission pieces are for a lot of artists. Right. is It kind of becomes not yours anymore. <laughs> and these are all, you know, and I would even say that these become not my own in that there comes a certain point in this process where it's completely out of my hands and it's completely in the spirit's hands. That was probably a long-winded answer to your question.
0: <laughs> it's fantastic. Be as long-winded as you like, because this is all new to me. Awesome. I'm sure it's new to a lot of the
1: listeners as well. Yeah, that's what I was. I was figuring when I uh, when I talk about the saints, it's new to a lot of people, and then you know I have a lot of information to share because it's all the saints all day, every day over here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure the best way to phrase this question, but what sorts of
1: people commission saints? No, that's a really good question. Um, So actually, it's funny, and I I like to share this because it makes me really happy and proud. Um, First of all, I am not one of those religious types that will ever push my beliefs on other people. I have friends and family of the entire spectrum of belief and non-belief and different religions and just all the whole gamut, the whole gamut. And I think I know what they appreciate about me is that I am not a pushy person in that way. And I try to convey that in my language as well. Um, That's why I will generally use something like the God of your understanding, because we all understand God in a different way. One of the things I'm most proud of is that quite a few of these commissions come from people that consider themselves atheists or agnostic. Interesting. That's really interesting to a lot of people because they're like, how these are saints, these are holy figures. Yes, but they're also historical figures that represent different things to different people. So let's say, for instance, St. Genesius. St. Genesius is the patron saint of actors and comedians. And there's actually a statue of him on Broadway in New York. And a lot of actors, I found this information out because someone told me, (laughs) the person who commissioned him told me that the statue there, a lot of the actors will go and, you know, like say a little prayer, you know, before they go on stage. And a lot of actors have like saint medals, you know, which are popular for a lot of people that they'll wear when they're on stage. And these are largely not religious people, like just everyday people that will go do this because it's a good luck kind of thing. Sure. And my friend that commissioned him is not religious by any stretch of the means And this is kind of a continuing trend with a lot of the saints. Another friend of mine who commissioned the first Joan of Arc that I did, she would not consider herself religious. In fact, she went through her family history so far that she found out she is related to one of the witches from the Salem witch trials. Oh, wow. And I'm going to correct myself here. One of the women from the Salem witch trials. Excellent. Excellent. So she feels really close to Joan of Arc, not because she was Catholic, but because she was burned at the stake. Right. Right. So we all have these different stories with different saints, and it doesn't mean that we have to be religious about it. And it's funny, too. I even had a Catholic friend reach out to me and say, you know, you study all these saints. Are you sure you're not Catholic? (laughs) And I'm just going to be honest right here. I said, nope, pretty sure. (laughs) Um, I grew up Catholic and I was away from the church for 20 years because of it and came back. And I, I can definitely say I'm not Catholic, but uh, that is <laughs> not going against any Catholics out there. Just that's my own personal opinion. But what I did tell her and other people who've asked me that same or similar question is that um, a lot of these saints, their time was before the Reformation, before the split of the church. So really their only option as a Christian was to be Catholic. So I don't hold it against them. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have a choice. (laughs) That's the interesting thing. So I get this kind of great mix of religious and not religious people. I even have a friend that's Buddhist that commissioned a saint. I've had just the kind of like the whole gamut. Atheist, agnostic, you know, Episcopalian, Catholic, Methodist. I mean, everybody. <laughs> everybody. So,
0: And besides being of a saint specifically, it's art and
1: they're beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really wanted them to be unique. I really... I enjoy traditional iconography, but it's never spoken to me. All of it looks the same. And after studying how traditional iconography is done, it is all the same. They are repeated, (laughs) repeated designs over the centuries, which I understand and respect the kind of history behind that and the reasons why they do it. But myself as an artist, I don't like to do what everybody else does. (laughs) It's just kind of my MO. Most people that know me know that. But I just felt like if if I want people to hear these stories of the saints, and by hear, I don't mean there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? Mm -hmm. If I want people to hear the stories of these saints, this can't look like every other icon out there. This has to be different. It has to speak to people in a different way. And I just kept thinking of like bright and bold colors and telling these stories, no matter how gruesome some of them are. Um, I have an icon, two icons actually with skulls in them. I don't really consider that gruesome, but some people do. (laughs) Um, The latest Madonna and child that I did, I actually have a breastfeeding Mary who's fully exposed. And some people have take issue with that, that's fine. It doesn't speak to everybody. I'm all about pushing the limits on this. The Saints and their stories can be very dark, very full of trauma and death. And, you know, they're just very human stories. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of saints. So that's that's how I feel about it.
0: This is all just so interesting. <laughs> so glad.
1: <laughs> of the art that you've created so far, do you have a favorite? Oh, man, that's really hard. They're all my favorite when I'm working on them. (laughs) But I will tell you the saints that have stuck with me through the entire thing. So I would consider them my patron saints. In the Catholic Church, you're sort of assigned a patron saint, usually when you're younger, when you're confirmed. I was assigned a patron saint when I was in Catholic school, St. Anne. And I never really connected with St. Anne. The only reason that they said, choose my patron saint is because my middle name is Anne and there is no St. Kristen. So, (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't really feel a connection to that. And that was, you know, something I've even carried through working on these icons is like, just because your name is the same, doesn't mean that that's your patron saint. I think you find that out as you grow older, you find out as you study them. And as you look at their icons, who do you feel connected to? Who do you feel close to? And there are several that I feel very close to, Mary Magdalene being one of them. She's a patron saint for a lot of people. But when I was studying her, what does everybody know about Mary Magdalene? Like you've heard of Mary Magdalene's name before. What do you think of when you hear Mary Magdalene? I'm putting you on the stand. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, her connection to Jesus. Her connection to Jesus. What else might you think? That's been told about her, about what kind of person she was. She was a prostitute, wasn't she? But she wasn't. Oh. And that's what I found out. So even if she had been a sex worker, you know, that was still part of her story. We're we're a lot more educated now than we used to be. Right. But I hope so. In actually studying her and there's a lot more information about her that's being, still being uncovered. There's a whole, um, what they call gospel of Mary. It was, it's one of the agnostic gospels that was never included in the Bible because back in the day when the Bible was being put together, this big group of white men, you know, decided what was going to be put in there. And by all means, a gospel written by a woman wasn't going to be included. Nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I figure I'm, I'm talking to good people here. So, so when I studied her, I found out all of this kind of new information about her and that the reason why her name and she's always referred to as Mary Magdalene or Mary of Magdala. If you look at the time period and study history, then you would find out that if she's being referred to her last name by where she's from, then a couple of things are probably taking place here. One, she was probably not married. Two, if she's being referred to from a place, then that place is probably of prominence. And Magdala at the time was a very rich port city. Um, So she was probably from a family of money. So it's actually more likely that she was independently wealthy and funded Jesus's ministry over being a prostitute. And like I said, we think of sex workers in a different way now, but at that time, if you were labeled a prostitute, that was equivalent to calling someone, I don't know if we can say that on your <laughs> podcast, <laughs> but it's equivalent to calling someone a bitch right? or any number of names that us women have been, or <laughs> have been subject to being called. It's equivalent to that. So we just have to look at the historical context of it. So it's actually more likely that she was independently wealthy. And I just loved discovering that about her, you know, that we're flipping the script on this. So trying to tell the truth when I'm also not just writing their icon with the act of painting, but also writing their story that I'm sharing in words as well. And there's a word for that too. When you write about with words about the saints, it's called a hagiography 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 okay yeah so think of like biography autobiography hagiography got it hagiography would be the story the studying and writing of saints holy figures and their biographical information interesting as you're doing this work what's your biggest frustration Hmm. how long it takes I get really excited to learn about the saints, but sometimes the studying will take me, like I said, anywhere between a week to, when I was studying Teresa of Lisieux, it took me a month and a half to study her. There's a lot more information about her. She's from the 1800 late 1800s. So there's a lot more accessible information about her. So it took a lot longer to study. And I, I really wanted to start painting. And like I said, there comes a point where this, it's not my hand anymore. This is holy work. So I kept hearing this voice saying, there's still more to learn. There's still more to learn. And it's very frustrating because it's like, I want to get this done. I want to move on to the next one. I'm ready to paint. And then when you have this voice in your head saying you're not ready yet, and then you start studying more, it's very frustrating, especially when you're studying more and you're said, oh, well, I missed this part. So I guess this is why I had to study more. just keeps going. And I think what's frustrating too is, well, I guess it'd be more frustrating for my husband is my large collection of books. I already have a large collection, but in studying the saints, I have amassed many, many, many more books, (laughs) many more books. So I think that would be a frustration too. It's taken my whole life. It's taken up my whole life. My life is the saints now. So I'm thankful and frustrated at the same time. So many of these things are double-edged, aren't they? Yes. I mean,
0: that's part of being an
1: artist. It just comes with the territory.
0: It does. So if people were to see your work and not really know anything about you or know much about it, what's one thing that you wish that they understood?
1: I guess I can best answer this by giving an example. Okay, I share these on social media a lot, very frequently on Facebook and Instagram. And I will have complete strangers come across the work and they are not religious at all. They don't know who it is or why it was done, but they are drawn to it for some reason. And they'll start asking questions about it. And then I can help answer and facilitate those questions. So I guess my biggest hope is to question. Who is this? Why am I drawn to this person? And what's their story? That's excellent. So I guess that's what my hope is.
0: (laughs) Where can people find you? Websites,
1: Instagram, tell us your information. All the things. So I have an online icon shop and it's moderniconographer.com. I also have a personal website so people can see my other work. And that is kristinannwheeler.com. On Facebook, if you just look up at Ministry of Saints, you'll find it. It'll come up. And Instagram is Kristen Wheeler Artist. And you'll see all kinds of things. You'll see my travel photos and my iconography and other paintings and things that I'm working on, too.
0: Great. And for listeners, if you go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com and find this episode, all of those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for talking to me today. This was so interesting. I'm
1: so glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you. I I enjoy talking about the saints, but I think um, my husband and some people around me probably get sick of it. So it's nice to talk to someone fresh and new (laughs) 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 who isn't overwhelmed. Maybe I overwhelmed you, but (laughs) I'm not overwhelmed at all. It was very interesting. And something I can add. Yes. Yes. We can find out maybe some saints for you that you might be drawn to. So you have a place to start from. So you could tell me a little bit about you in that. What are some of your interests and what you're willing to share? You don't have to. uh, Something that you're focusing on in your life right now. Community
0: and gathering people. I'm not the best at it, but
1: I'm very interested in it.
0: I'm interested in photography. I'm interested in writing. For about the last year, I've been doing artistic things instead of teaching. I was a band teacher, and now I'm a writer and a podcaster and a photographer. And so that's my
1: focus is figuring out what that path looks like. Yeah, so figuring out your future. So I think, I really think that you should look into Hildegard von Bingen, and I'll send you some links, and I've written about her. She is also one of the saints that's very close to me. But she is the patron saint of musicians and writers, Um, but she was also an artist herself and she had a lot of things created. She was also a natural healer. So the church had actually called her blasphemous (laughs) because she used stones and herbs and tinctures to heal people. And she was all about community. She was the abbess or the head of her monastery of her fellow sisters. Even started her own monastery away from the men. Um, was very, very, very much outspoken against the patriarchy of the church. So I'm just feeling like all of these are maybe hitting some points for you. Every single one. <laughs> I think she's definitely someone that that you should look more into. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. No problem.
0: Our editor is Heat G-Check. Co-editor Rocket Kid. Produced by Heat G-Check. To learn more about me, Heat, or more about this podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Sound design and recording by Keith Kelly. You can learn more about Keith and his work at www.keithbkelly.com. co storm by Rocket Kid and Cat Girl. Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. Because ads are annoying. To support the podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Rocket <laughs> kids signing
1: off. Might not see God as God. You might see God as spirit. All these different. I'm assuming you heard that. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why? Why are you doing that?